to Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Welcome to another episode of Midlife Moxie. I'm your co-host, Gail. And I'm Christina. And I'm so excited about today's episode because we're going to be talking about the Enneagram with an Enneagram expert and coach, Jen Whitmer. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Jen Yay. is an Enneagram top seven, so that would explain her excitement. It doesn't <laughs> So we're going to really talk about relationships today because I think midlife women are often doing some soul searching. They really want to know themselves inside and out. They really want to know their truest self, and they're often trying to be their best self in this season. That's what I found. What do you think, Christina? Absolutely. I think so. You know, we are, we're all trying to um, be something we're not in our 20s. And then our, in our 30s, we get a little bit more confidence and we're kind of doing this grown-up life. But then your your 40s and your 50s, you come into this sense of, I don't care what people think, but I want solid, sound relationships that mm. can take me into the later part of life. Absolutely. So I 100% agree. I think we kind of have no room for the BS. And so it's a great relationship or we are just clearing the calendar. So Jen, <laughs> um, you have some courses coming up. You've been doing a lot of speaking. You're appearing on podcasts all over the place. <laughs> We're so glad you could give us time today. So what led I'm you thrilled. to get into the... Enneagram in the first place? Oh, it's a long and twisted tale. Um, we should probably Double start. <laughs> I'll give you the shorter version. How about that? Um, so I was actually first introduced to the Enneagram in leadership training in college. Um, as a freshman, I was a part of this emerging leaders group, and we had done the Myers-Briggs, which I still truly love. Um, but one of the faculty was like, hey, you should really check out the Enneagram. And at the time it was on like, so we're all old enough here to remember mimeographed sheets, like the purple mimeograph. Yeah. It was on this like copied of a mimeograph chart with these big scary words like lust and envy. And I was like, I thank you. I'm going to stay over here with these letters. They're much more fun. And I kind of lived my life with that and, and became an educator. And then I was a faculty leader and an assistant head of school. And we, I used all of those tools as a trainer and I loved them. I was always interested in how our personalities shape the way we live our lives. And then I had a the best boss that I've ever had. And then I had a change of leadership. And that change of leadership was devastating to me personally, to me professionally, um, and unskilled and um, unaware, self, unself-aware. How do we want to say that? <laughs> yes, I speak for a living. Um, somebody who <laughs> lacked self-awareness in himself and 
That was damaging to our leadership team, to me individually. And at the time, uh, one of the other leaders at the school said, hey, I think you should, I know how much you love Myers-Briggs. I found the Enneagram really helpful. And so it was the right time to dig into why am I responding this way? What are the things about me that are making this more challenging? Now, he was 100% a problem. I was also my own problem and I needed to figure out my own part of what was going on and and discovering the Enneagram about why this was so challenging. What was motivating me to respond in the ways that I was responding in this toxic, abusive, uh, stressful situation? Because I didn't feel like myself anymore. So the Enneagram really helped me see that. When you get around a person who is not mentally healthy, Mm -mm. They can very easily, if you're not on sure footing, you can be dragged right into the mud with them. And before you know it, you're behaving in a way that is not true to yourself. Yeah. Well, Well, and I, what we discovered as a group and, and individually that, that we were doing the best that we could. And like, we were making what we thought were really good and right decisions, which were actually incredibly enabling. They were more damaging to ourselves than we needed to be. And understanding why I was making those choices helped me then make new ones. So the phrase that hurting people hurt people, well, healed people help heal people. And that's what helped me use the Enneagram um, to get out of that situation. And along with therapy and other great skills. um, But that's when I realized, oh, this conflict resolution that I've been studying, this peacemaking work that I've been doing is only enhanced and actually incredibly strengthened by understanding why the conflict is happening in myself to begin with, not just the communication skills to have it, but why underneath that's going on. So that's how I decided to like, you know what, I want to get certified in this so I can help other people get through this. I don't want other people to experience that devastating leader. I want to help the devastating leader and the team. So everybody is more whole, everybody is more peaceful, and everybody is more connected we got work to do friends. Like we don't have time for all this and I want to help people through it. Well, tell us, tell us a little bit about what the Enneagram means, Yeah, you know, because we have a lot of listeners who have no idea what the Enneagram means or what it's about. Um, You know, we're talking about relationships and discovery you know, give us a give us a quick summary of what that looks like. Absolutely. So, if you've been following along and you're like, she keeps saying this word, any what? <laughs> so, the Enneagram is a personality framework, and it shows us the deep motivations of our lives, the why's behind the what and the how. So, why we feel the way we do, why we act the way we do, why we think the way we do, and so the Enneagram reveals these deep motivations of our heart, and it. Puts um, It shows us nine different ways of being in the world. So there are nine different Enneagram types, and they share common motivations that influence the way they show up as people, the way they have relationships, the way they communicate, the way they like the things that they like and dislike the things they dislike. And those nine motivations help us make different choices. And that's what I love about the Enneagram. It doesn't put you in a box. 
it shows you the box that you're in and then you can make some different choices. That is so great. So, you know, for our listeners out there that go, oh, okay, this is just another personality type typing, you know, because Jen, we know you, Gail and I know you very well, (laughs) and we know the Enneagram very well. And a lot of people, at least for me and Gail, you can chime in and let me know what your thoughts were. But at least for me, when I was told, take the test, I was like, okay, I take this test and then I figure out what I am and then I go from there. But that's really not what this is. It's it's a self-discovery, right? And so you're on a journey. So can you tell us like a little bit about the, you know, it's not a testing process because there's something that you have said before and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so powerful. That is what people need to know about the Enneagram. Like that's it. So talk to us about that. Absolutely. So all those other personality tools, Strengths Finders, Colby Disc, Myers-Briggs, love them. They're great. They do really specific things and they are based in assessment. They are based in answer these questions and we will boop, 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 tell you what you are. That's, that's their whole, that's how they work. And that's great. Like that's not a problem. The Enneagram is different. The Enneagram is a journey of self-discovery. It is an inner world exploration. And what I mean by the inner world is what is deep within you, not just what people see. And it helps you uncover that. And when it comes to an assessment, that's just a lot to ask of a multiple choice test to tell you what you're not sure about already what you're unsure about in your inner world. So part of deciding your type, part of finding your type one through nine is doing the practice self-discovery work that you will need in the growth aspect of using the Enneagram. So finding your type is like doing the, you know, couch to 5k before you actually run the 5k. <laughs> like it's really the the work of discovering who you are and making that choice for yourself. So even as a certified Enneagram coach, my job is not to type you. That's your work to do because that's the work of the Enneagram. So tell us the nine types. You know, you keep saying types and we want our audience to know, we want our community to know um, about the nine types because I know for myself, again, uh, when I when I did the assessment, I was like, oh, okay, I'm I'm one of these three things. Let me go really take a look at what resonates with me the most. Mm-hmm. And 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 let me operate out of that. And you know, we can get super complex in the Enneagram, right? So mm-hmm. today let's let's just do kind of an overview because I know we talk about uh, you know, what's your what's your core motivation? What is your um what are you at your at your unhealthy self? What are you at your best self? And and then what, how do you operate when you have a wing, right? There's so many different things that you can discover with the Enneagram. And so I know for myself, when I saw my types, I was like, okay, those really resonate with me, but one stood out more than the other. And Mm -hmm. I'm a seven type. So Jen, you and I are very like, I vibe with you, girl. Like I know, <laughs> I know what's going on. I know what's going on. So 
So tell us, tell us the nine types and, and give us a little overview of what those nine types are. Absolutely. So if you, because you're listening, I want you to imagine a circle. So in like a clock, but instead of the clock having 12 numbers, it has nine numbers and nine is at the very top position. So that's the first vision you've got it. Okay. So if you're driving, don't move your hands into a circle, but just imagine. And then we're going to actually begin with the eights and we begin with the eights for lots of reasons that are clear within the Enneagram, unclear when you're not in the Enneagram. But basically, let's just say they're a really great place to start. They um, have no business and time waiting around. So we like to start with them. And so the nine is at the top. The eight is kind of in that 11 o'clock position. And then we're going to go around the circle in order from there. So Enneagram eights, when we talk about their core motivation, Enneagram eights, deeply want to protect people because they don't want to be betrayed. So one of their deepest fears is being vulnerable and exposed. And so they are going to protect people and move to solve problems and get it done. All because- I I don't know anybody like that, Jen. Let's talk to about outer problems. And I'd like to, because I'm a self-proclaimed aide and- You know, when you say that, that just, the problem solving portion is just like, I cannot stop myself, but we'll come back to the specifics in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's, and that stopping yourself and not being able to stop yourself is because if I don't, then someone might control me. And that's the motivation. So that's where the problem solving comes from. And then we move to the Enneagram nines and Enneagram nines are deeply motivated to maintain connection. They don't want to have conflict at any cost. And so what happens is that they merge with other people's ideas and other people's thoughts and feelings, and they kind of go with the flow and go along to get along because if they don't, then I might lose connection and there might be conflict. And at the same time, I really want my voice to be heard because I have an inner idea of what I want. But if I say that, then there might be conflict. And so I'm going to hold it in. And now aren't we all exhausted? It's just this cycle for the nine. And that's um, the deep struggle for the nine is they want to have their voice heard and they don't want conflict. And so that's that core motivation for the nine. And then we move over to Enneagram ones and Enneagram ones. Are the reforming perfectionists and they are always looking to make things better. They want to improve and reform themselves, others, and the world. And that is because their deep core fear is that if they don't, they're not good. They want to be good all the way through and they want to be right and not like I'm right and you're wrong, but whatever the right standard is, they want to be in alignment. With that right standard. They want to follow those rules. They want to be accurate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the accuracy isn't something they decide. That is an external standard. And the hard thing for Enneagram Ones is that they have this one super strong internal critic. And Mm -hmm. we've all got, you know, an internal Regina George. But this one (laughs) is this abusive, toxic constantly berating them voice, telling them this is the standard and you didn't meet it. And just in case they did, they're going to move the goalposts, just continuing to be critical. So that's the Enneagram one's real struggle is they want to be good and right. And that's why they're always looking to make things better. And then we move to Enneagram twos. So Enneagram twos are always looking to 
make sure that they are needed because their identity is in their connection to other people. So if I am helpful to you, if I serve you, if you need me, then I have value. And that's the struggle for the two because their deep fear is to be rejected. And I always want to remind all of us that when you hear these motivations, nobody wants to be betrayed. Everybody wants connection. Most people want to be good. Like we want those things. We all have all of the motivations. It's like we're driving a bus and we all have the motivations on the bus, but one of them is driving. And so for Enneagram twos, that driving motivation is to not be rejected and to be needed. And Mm -hmm. so also There is a little caveat, especially because we're talking about women, that a lot of women think that they're twos. And the reason they often think that they're twos when they hear that description is because our culture says, this is quote unquote, what a woman should be and do. And so remembering that we all do want to be needed, but is that my core motivation? Is that what's driving me all the time? Of course I want to be needed. But am I wanting to be needed because that's what I'm supposed to do or because I feel compelled to be needed? And that's the difference. Yeah. So then we move to Enneagram 3s. And Enneagram 3s are like the walking motivational posters of the Enneagram. Their value is based in their accomplishments and achievements. So they are as fast as possible getting to the goal. And they are hugely helpful to us when we think about, oh my gosh, this is what's possible. And how do we get there? That's where Enneagram threes are fantastic. And they struggle because they tie their worth to that outcome, that my value as a person is tied up in my achievement. And that can be really, really devastating when your identity is in being successful. And As a culture, we have a really big three culture. And so lots of us also feel that motivation um, externally. It's all the more hard, harder when you are a three because you feel that internally as well. And then we've got Enneagram fours and Enneagram fours are these romantic individualists who are really creating lots of space and they create space because they want to be seen. They want to be emotionally connected. They don't want to be emotionally isolated from others. And so they create things and abilities and, and physical and emotional spaces because then they also are seen and that's what they're really going for. And their identity is tied to being unique and special. And they're afraid that they're missing out on the thing that makes them unique and special. So they're always trying to kind of conjure that up because if I am not unique, if I don't have that thing, then who am I? My identity is tied to that. And that can, that's the struggle for Enneagram fours. Interesting. I don't think I know any fours, Jen. Oh, our really? daughter's a four. Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I know any fours. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. As you're going through, I'm like, I don't know that I know anybody like that. Anyway. Yeah. Keep going. Fours, <laughs> when they are healthy, are these beautiful people who can hold space for grief. They can hold space for joy. They are so connected and creative. And they're not all artists. It's not like every four is an actress and a, or a sculptor. Oh, no. Our um, daughter um, works in the theater. She got a degree yeah. in theater. She doesn't want to be in front of the camera, but she very mm-hmm. much enjoys that space. 
And Absolutely. one of her favorite things to say is, I feel seen. I feel seen. I feel seen. Yep. And we're like, <laughs> Absolutely. sitting there. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the 8-4 relationship. So cool right there. Um, yeah, because that's what they want. They want to feel seen and validated as as that's their identity. And, and, and Gil's over here like, get over it. <laughs> You're learning. You're growing. But yeah, lots of fours in the theater. Not every four is in the theater, but in the theater community, there are a lot of fours. very dramatic. They can be very dramatic. They're great designers. They are expressive in ways that make some of us feel uncomfortable because they're so comfortable with their emotions. And, and we have so much to learn from fours when they're unhealthy. Everything's an emotion. The front door that was emotional that I felt that she might say. Yes. Yes, They lead with their emotions. Absolutely. They lead with their emotions. One thing I know about her, she's a very good gift giver. Mm, Yeah. Very thoughtful in her Mm. gifts. That makes a lot of sense. A lot of fours are like that. And because a gift is also an expression of I see you. Mm-hmm. And so because I want to be seen, I'm going to make that happen for you. And that pleases awesome my egg with her that. gift giving. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So the next group that we move on to in the head center are fives. And fives are motivated deeply by being competent. They want to know, like their deepest fear is to be ignorant and not have the information. And so they dig real deep into thinking. I joke all the time. They're like professors and PhDs who are like, I'm not really an expert. And then it (laughs) happened to me in a clubhouse room. I had an Enneagram five for like, well, I'm not really an expert in this. And I'm like, you literally have a PhD in communication. Like I appreciate your curiosity, but you are a, like on paper expert for like real. <laughs> so, but that fear and that caveat of, oh, what if somebody knows more? Because they run in that tension of, I know there's more to know. And yet look how much I know. And because competency is their deep, deep motivation. And then we move to Enneagram sixes. So Enneagram sixes are the like loyal skeptics, they are incredibly loyal to community. They really want to be a part and they are, nobody has context like an Enneagram six because they are deeply afraid that they're going to be unprepared and then they're going to get blamed or emotionally or physically abandoned. So they're always preparing, making sure that doesn't happen for them. And they ask a lot of questions and inside, when we talked about Enneagram ones, having this really one strong internal critic voice, Enneagram sixes have like an internal committee. And if this person says this, then I'm going to say this. And if, okay, over here, this is another option. And they can get very overwhelmed by the amount of scenarios that they create and that are possible and what I have to be prepared for. So I don't get abandoned because what they're always wanting is that safety and security. Interesting. I think that my son might be a six. Hmm. Could be. I I think, I think he might be, I, you know, other, like I said before, Jen, as other types, I can kind of spot out a little bit, a little bit more than other types, but I don't know if that's, if that's just because I have developed myself in that arena 
And, you know, when you start working on yourself, mm. you can you can better operate within the types, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't know what that is, but that's interesting. Yeah. So let's let's wrap up with uh, lucky number seven. Yeah, yeah. so okay, our last number. And you're ending with this seven. <laughs> well, it goes, or you just like to talk about this seven. I think it's because if we started with the sevens, the sevens would turn off the podcast. <laughs> and we're like, oh, that's me. I'm done. So it's really, um, yeah, that was fun. That so, was so true. <laughs> it's true. It is true. It is true. And I'm going to say it because I am a seven. So Enneagram sevens are motivated to avoid pain at all costs. And the way that yes. comes out is in this veracity for life, this excitement, what's next, that they fill themselves up with experiences and ideas and stimulation so they can avoid dealing with the internal anxiety or pain of any kind. So being limited or trapped is the deep fear of the Enneagram 7. Um, I am positive an Enneagram 7 coined the term FOMO. So, because fear of missing out is the deep core fear of the 7. What if I miss it? And it's because what if that's the thing that will make me happy? What yep. if that's the thing that will satisfy me and I miss that it? And can make you look like a rabid lab rat chasing <laughs> everything. I prefer a golden doodle, thank you. But okay, yeah, I can see that. We have one in our neighborhood that runs up and down the yard. Um, so when we think about these, when and and I really want our listeners to understand that core difference between this and other quote unquote personality tests is that this one is about your core motivation, not your current behavior. Mm-hmm. So where is that set? Because I've heard someone talk about the disc and that that is typically set in early childhood, oftentimes by an experience, sometimes a trauma. So Mm -hmm. with the um, Enneagram, is that something we're just born with? It's deep in our DNA, it's set early in childhood, it's situational. Where, Where does this come from in ourselves? I love this question. So I think this and most Enneagram teachers that I have learned under and and, um, studied also think this, that our personality in the Enneagram, so the Enneagram is a personality system, not just a test, but in that system, we are born with a sensitivity to a message. So because we all grow up in imperfect households, even if your household is full of loving, caring people- Even the cleavers, not perfect. All the way through horrible situations full of daily trauma. So, you know, we run this gamut. And when we're in early childhood, our sensitivity to that core message is already present. And then we start making up stories around that message. So for Enneagram 7s, that this lost message is that I'm not going to be taken care of. So the way mm-hmm. a 7 goes about that is, well, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to make things fun. Right. I'm going to find out what's next. I'm going to do these things. And it could be... Um, and it's reinforced over time, or it could be one incident of some random lady at the grocery store says something to you and you latch on. And then we create meaning behind that. And then that meaning develops into our personality structure. So, so and that's the way personality develops. Time. 
your experience. I'm sorry, say that again? It, it expounds over time, kind of you're saying it grows over time with experiences that mm-hmm. you resonate it's with? It's sort of like a Christmas tree. So you've got a Christmas tree. When you buy your Christmas tree, it's already present. Like the tree is there. And then when you have an experience that um, pokes on that core message, then we hang something on the Christmas tree. We create a meaning around it. And we say, this is what that means. This is what that means. And it starts to, we add to it in a way that we keep building stories that if you think about them being intertwined and then they harden, that creates our personality. And that's how we make sense of the world. That is normal childhood development. <laughs> that's that's how we like make sense of this crazy place that we live in. And then as an adult, those stories then start to limit us from the essence of who we want to be. And that's the work of the Enneagram is discovering who am I at my core when I'm not motivated by the fear. The fear is there, but how, what happens if I don't give in and aren't motivated by that all the time? Does that answer your you question? Know, yes. And Jen, I want to go back, uh, kind of take a step back because I really want, and you can probably hear my dog panting here, but, you know, for me, understanding the Enneagram really helped me to have a more balanced response to other people because I started to understand what their actions really meant rather than the story I made up about their actions or how I perceived their actions. And I always love to give my friend Martha as an example. Martha is down there in that oneness and mm-hmm. so she needs things to be really accurate. And being an eight, I need things to be really done. And I want them done well. <laughs> now. But, yeah. Right, but done. Now, done right? is better than perfect. It's real easy for an eight. And um, yeah. I do like perfection, but um, some things. It's not priority. It just depends on what the perfect. <laughs> I want the result to be kind of perfect. Ranger does too. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need to follow every rule and every detail. And she will point things out to me. And I used to take it very personally and get hurt by it. And I just felt, you know, a little bit bruised by it. But then when I realized this is her, just she's internally compelled. I'm so sorry about the dog. Internally compelled to point out anything that's not 100% accurate and that it had nothing to do with me personally. I not only received it differently, but my response to her, I was able to formulate something that protected our relationship by acknowledging her, her need that yes, that is indeed inaccurate, but that in my place, I'm okay with that inaccuracy. And when we have that conversation, we both can acknowledge who we are and step away from it intact and not damaged. And it's just become the most beautiful thing. I love that. One of the things that when I'm doing workshops and teaching on the Enneagram is I talk a lot about the glasses. So if we think about our personality like colored glasses, and I put on a pair of colored glasses that are the lens is a different color. And so if I put on a pair of purple glasses and your wall behind you is white and I say, why is your, why is your wall purple? And you're like, my wall's not purple because you're wearing blue glasses. And you're like, it's blue. And we are now suddenly opposed. And Christina's like, it's orange. I'm wearing orange. I mean, because she's wearing orange glasses. Now we've got a problem because we're unaware of the glasses that we're wearing. 
the Enneagram helps us see, oh, my glasses are this color. My glasses are purple. Your glasses are blue. Now I get curious about the way that I see and I get curious about the way that you see. And we recognize that my purple glasses are going to help me see things differently that you can't see, but they also Mm -hmm. hide things from me that I can't see. It's made me super, like, when you learn what someone is dealing with, it's kind of that old Mm -hmm. adage, you know, when you know what someone's going through. When I start to learn about what she's experiencing in her mind and heart, it made me more empathetic Absolutely. And and softer to her because there's a battle going on with her. My husband is another great example. He's a nine. And I did not understand for the longest being an eight. Christine's over there rolling in the floor about, oh, this marriage is doomed. We're 23 years in, They get passive aggressive if they are not recognized. Like, that's one of the things they want to, they want you to recognize them, but... It's like they don't want to be recognized. So they would rather just be into the wall, you know, in a, at a party. They would just like to be flush to the wall. But if you don't recognize them, they still get upset. And it gets a little sassy. And you're like, whoa, girl. Or whoa, uh, my dude. won't take Hold a take, on. but then he will snip like a little chihuahua. But, or maybe <laughs> even a Rottweiler at that point when he's had enough. But in my eightness, you know, I just think everyone should get it together. And I don't see what the problem is if, if I just need to tell you something directly. And when, when I learned through the Enneagram that, and through DISC as well, that one of the things my husband, it does not take well is criticism. That was like a light bulb. Like he's all about self-improvement, but he does not need you to tell him where he needs to improve because that damages him greatly. And he does not, um, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't know that about him 20 years in yeah. and I did not know that about him. And as an eight, we can, we can make some corrections of others. You know, we see the problem. We're just going to point it out. We're all going to fix it. It's just going to be fine. So you can imagine how damaging I had been to my own husband and I didn't get it. And when I got it, it was like someone shined just a light on his face that became very childlike sometimes when I said something particularly sharp and I started Mm -hmm. to notice that reaction. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just a game changer for our relationship and how I communicate with him. You know, you learn that you can say the same thing in a different way that that helps someone and doesn't harm someone. As an eight, we really need a lot of work in that area. But Mm -hmm. learning the Enneagram is really, and this is why I wanted to do this episode, it's really helped my relationships. And Mm -hmm. it helps me to be better in those relationships. And it helps me to respond better, to understand people's needs better. And then as a good citizen of the universe and as a good friend (laughs) to help meet the needs that they're having sometimes just through my words because when I affirm what you're feeling or the or your response or where you may be that's meaningful to you that I've taken the time to understand who you are and what your need is um absolutely just like when someone if someone can come to me and say I know you need you know all these things but you know, it just lands differently than when they say, well, you're just bossy. Cause I say it's get that <laughs> a lot. 
And yeah. we're like, well, we wouldn't have to be if you people could get it together. I mean, that's. And then the glasses are fighting. Yeah, yeah. That's when she's at her, her unhealthy self yeah. there. That's well, like, you know, you know <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, because we're talking about, you know, having midlife moxie. Like, what is it like in midlife? Because we just get tired of all the BS. Like, we're tired mm-hmm. of it. And I think what I love about the Enneagram is it helps us show us our own. Like I'm tired of my own BS and that real growth requires ruthless self-honesty, but generous self-compassion. Well, Jen, I, I love that you, you just said that because, you know, as a seven, as a type seven, we, our core motivation is the fear, that fear. And I remember my counselor saying to me, and I think I've shared this with you. And she said, you know, a seven is constantly like they feel like they're locked in a tower, you know, and they have these this window with bars on it. And you're just looking out and you're like, I can I can be out there. I can be out there. And the door to the tower is wide open. Right. It's wide open. You can go for it. But it's like we trap ourselves. And um, my my husband is a, is a type one and I'm a type seven. And so he and his oneness are is always like, nope, there's just one way to be right. And I'm over here like, babe, there's a million ways to Everyone's be right. right. And, he, <laughs> and he's like, get away from me. <laughs> and I'm like... But, you know, but, but I think that's that that side of me too that recognizes that I do love options and I do love people to have a voice and I don't want people to feel like, you know, um, I don't understand or that I can't enter into those situations with people and, and come out and we still may have a difference of opinion, but we can still love each other through that. And mm-hmm. so um, I I have a totally different outlook on things, but in, in my, un- I shift into that eight um, when it's like, I need to get stuff done. It's like, just <laughs> get out of my way. I got to get it done. If you don't get out of my way, I'm going to just. I'm going to shank you <laughs> because Christina is a gangster. <laughs> You know, what's funny, too, is that she and I, you know, in studying about who we are and knowing who we are and wanting to be our best selves, we speak to each other in the numbers. Like, we had Mm -hmm. a situation the other day, and I'm like, when you do this in your sevenness, that makes my eightness do this. I don't want that. That's not the best. What's awesome about that? Here's what's fantastic about what you just said. So it makes it less personal. It's not you, Christina, attacked me, Gail. It's this thing in you is fighting with this thing in me, not Christina fighting Gail. Like earlier, she said she needs it done and she needs it done right now. Mm-hmm. Because Christina's like, yeah, you do it. Yeah, you got to go have some fun first. <laughs> and um, I'm over here going, but it needs done. It needs done. Okay, I'll just do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I tell her all the time, eights will fill any um, void of leadership or activity. Oh, yeah. We will just, we just need it. Power vacuum filled. Eight. And if it's not done, <laughs> it's not done the way we think it should be done in the time frame we think it should be done, then 
you know. I think I'm helping her, Jen. I'm helping her to expand her eightness. <laughs> Last night. What I explained to her is that will make my eight rise up more. And you do not want that because <laughs> I, I, I don't necessarily want to go there. And that's when you get that bossy, you know, takeover eight. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting that we could have the conversation about how we going to get there versus mm-hmm. just getting there and then having an argument or hurt yeah. feelings. Now I do have a question yeah. about sevens because you guys are both sevens. I see a lot of times it feels like sevens keep themselves super busy and doing all the fun things, possibly to avoid some of the deep feelings under there. Is that accurate? Is that what's going on? There almost seems to be an avoidance sometimes. Oh, a hundred percent. That's the whole thing. I want to avoid the pain. And so a healthy seven will learn how to focus, how to deal with the uncomfortable and painful emotions because we don't want to be trapped there forever. Like the lie is if I go to the negative emotions, I will never get out. It's like, it's the quicksand of our childhood when truly emotions pass through and we have to process them. And that's the growth for seven. Um, In fact, one of my um, affirmations that I tell myself every way every day is I am a focused and fun business owner. And so that helps me like I am focused. I don't have to have this identity of scatterbrained and I am focused. I am also fun, but I own something. And that was really helpful to me to jump up. So I'm not avoiding pain. I'm getting the stuff done, but I'm still fun at the same time. The both and is really important to Enneagram sevens. I don't know about you, Christina. What do you think about that? Um, hundred percent. I'm over here like, oh my gosh, I love this. I well, here here's the thing is, you know, I um I see a counselor and she is very well versed in the Enneagram world. And when this came out and my husband and I were thinking about getting married, um, she was our you know, premarital counselor. And she had us do this, the, the typing. And she said that our relationship will be really good for each other because of our, you know, different types and how we can operate with each other. And I have a really hard time with allowing the pain to, to, to just to move through it, mm-hmm. as you say. And my counselor's like, you have to, you have to allow the space. And I'm like, oh, it's, super it's uncomfortable. I like, do the it's, fun thing. Uh, yeah, it's so uncomfortable. So, okay. you know, and when I, when I have to, right, when I have to go there, um, when my dad was sick, I just had to, I had to go there. Yeah. And, and, and that was, actually, I think a new awakening for me was like, okay, I address the hard stuff. I could cry a little bit and then I can move out of that and I can still go on with my day. Yes, it's hard, you know, but I can do hard things and I can still have fun and I can still be me and I don't have to stay there. So it was just allowing this little space to as I like to call it, breathe. And I always do hand motions when I'm talking about mm-hmm. it because that's what it, it felt like is that I could breathe. Yeah. 
you know. Absolutely. And that's common for sevens. We as sevens often have to have some type of terrible um, grief. Grief is usually the thing to realize we can't reframe it. Cause we're just going to reframe everything else. So I don't have to walk through those emotions. It's not even like, I'm just doing avoid it and go do something fun. I'm just going to change my thinking about it and it's fine. Um, but exactly. if you have a grief that is so great that you can't reframe, it's like, that is the awakening to understanding how to process emotions. And mm-hmm. it's huge. And like, as, so my first career was an elementary school music teacher. So even at times when I'm like seeing a hard emotion coming, I'm like, okay, going on a bear hunt. Can't go over it. Gotta go through. Like, I literally will say that to myself. It's like, okay, I gotta go through it. Because otherwise, I'm going to reframe it. I think about it. And it has been such a growth aspect of my life that is made me so much better, so much more stable, so much more peaceful, because I'm not running around like the Labrador trying to, you know, avoid Mm -hmm. this stuff. I'm just, I'm living life and being present you know i think isn't it hard yeah when we look at relationships i think what's important is that we know how to love someone well and that we understand that's about them not just us but the part that's Mm -hmm. about us is doing the work and becoming the person that is taking the time to understand how that person is going to receive love best what is going to Mm -hmm. make her feel loved or him. And that's one thing I really love about the Enneagram. When you know what someone's struggle is and you're able to come in there and like with my seven friends, like with you and Christina both, now that I have learned more about it and I know that's where you live, I can actually see that little glimmer of pain that's there. And it's a very strange thing because through all the laughter, through all the fun, once you become really more perceptive, you can, you can pick it up. Like, I think that's why Christina doesn't want to kill me in my eightness is because she (laughs) sees what's driving it and how hard it is for me to like, let things go and not do this. And, you know, when we become more sensitive and empathetic to the people and world around us, that creates the opportunity for things to be more symbiotic and us to live more, you know, like that puzzle all fit together instead of a bunch of sharp edges. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. I think if we all understood ourselves better, understood the person next to us better, you know, because understanding our own reaction, like, why do I get mad about this? That's understand. That's my problem. Not what that person did. Absolutely. And when we're talking about relationships, it's so much easier to blame other people. Like that's way simpler than actually recognizing, oh, here's the part of me. And Mm -hmm. when we take 100% responsibility for ourselves, who is the only person we can control, (laughs) then we have power and we have influence. I can't control other people. I can only control myself. So that's our agency. My agency isn't to change somebody else. My agency is to change myself and have compassion for others. And then I can, as you say, say it differently, have compassion for them, ask them different questions, do things that build them up and help us connect as people who are different 
but still you mentioned questions like to me it it changes my language that I use Mm -hmm. because sometimes the feeling can be the same the situation can be the same that the language I choose what I choose to call it name it how I give life to it can make all the difference and when I, I can go back to Christina or Martha or my husband or any of these people in my life and you know when I acknowledge how I know that they feel about the situation, you know, everyone mm-hmm. wants to be acknowledged. They want their feelings validated. Absolutely. We, but often we don't understand what they're feeling when we don't understand personality types and all that. So when we do, it, not only knowing it, but I think honoring it maybe is a good word for it and choosing mm, yeah. words that, you know, let them know I care enough that I know how you feel. I'm not going to get in bed with you on it. I don't agree with it, <laughs> but it's there. And I know that's very real for you. And to me, that's just been so powerful and caused so much less conflict. I know conflict is mm-hmm. and resolving is what you're all about. You know, some people might say conflict avoidance, but the conflict is going to be there. The conflict oh, is going to be yeah. that we're different, but the conflict does not have to be emotional turmoil or anger or, mm-hmm. you know, hurt. You know, uh, our feet, our our positions can be in conflict. You and I don't have to be in conflict, and yeah. that is really eye-opening for me. And it's been such a game changer. And it not only preserves those relationships. It allows me to live in greater peace. And I think when we're in midlife, Mm -hmm. we want peace. We do not want drama. We do not want constant emotional conflict. We do not want Mm -hmm. all the, like you say, bullshit of it. But Mm -hmm. it's not that we, I do have a desire to be deeply invested in people. But I really find I love being deeply invested with people who are also doing their work. So how do we make everyone do the work, Jen? The eight wants to get the <laughs> others to do the work. You're like, but wait, let me pull you in. Um, yeah, I mean, I think when we're talking about everybody's like, how do I get my spouse or my friend or whoever to understand the Enneagram? And I think, it, I feel like I need to make the, there's some kind of comic about the stages of understanding the Enneagram. Uh, <laughs> about where like, Jen, you need to do that. Like that's that like, on your, on your next, on I your next thing. I need to make a reel. That's yeah. Yeah. So There you go. We gave you the idea. You found it here. Midlife okay. Moxie. I love it. <laughs> I'll tag you. So, but I think the space where we have the most success in getting to what you're talking about, Gail, and getting people to do their work is by sharing vulnerably what the work has done for us. Oh, that's what Nate loves is all that vulnerability. I know. I know. That's why I said it kindly. Um, (laughs) So, but sharing and saying, here's what I've discovered with this tool, this discernment and wisdom tool has helped me do this. It has changed the way I see myself. I feel less insecure. I feel more confident. I feel more at peace. I have better relationships. I have more compassion for others. And I live life in a way that is more like flourishing than languishing. And when you can start to say, here's why, and you give specifics, people get interested in a different way rather than, I mean, me as a teacher and an Enneagram 7 is like, oh my gosh, you totally have to do this. And let me tell you all the things I know. It doesn't work as well, oh, even as an Enneagram yeah. expert. The seven <laughs> that's that's me. Yeah, that's Listen. me. 
I've had to, I've had to like curb that though, Jen, mm-hmm. because my my um, my subtype tends to run the bus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we'll have to get into all the subtypes. You'll have to come back so we can definitely go a little deeper here because we've just scratched the surface. Yes. But yes. that subtype for me, it it runs the bus. I'm like, who can I connect her with? And then sometimes like I overspeak because I'm such a connector. You know, it's like my she superpower. I tell jump people off a all cliff. the time within five ah! minutes of meeting you. Oh, look, we're off the cliff together. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The eight's over here seeing everything that could go wrong in this situation. I can't count the number of times. I'm like, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. In the middle of the conversation. This is why you have to have a Gale in your life. Like, everybody... It's a Gail in their life because I kid you not, Gail, had it not been for Gail, I probably would have run off of a, a few cliffs, you know, and, um, yeah, and so I do, I do appreciate that eightness and, um, you're, the, I appreciate you're, all you're one of two on the planet, I think, that may appreciate I, the eightness. No, well, I, think, I love my eights. And, and here's, here's what I, I think that our listeners should know, Jen, right? That all, all types can be misunderstood if mm. you're not working on you and figuring out your colored glasses, as as we put it earlier. Mm-hmm. What's your colored glasses and how can you move through your colored glasses so that you can find the commonality and the empathy and the sympathy for all of the other types that are there, mm. you know, because when that is not aligned you can't align with other people. Yeah. I, I've, I've been told so many times, oh, she's a hard ass or, you know, she's not nice. And I'm like, I'm the nicest person <laughs> that you will ever meet, but you don't give me an opportunity because you see this outer, you had to protect this yourself. outer core. Yeah, I have. I mean, I'm uh, my my wing eight is is strong. So sometimes I'm looking at you like if you "Mm." feel threatened. I think that's Mm -hmm. when we can. Oh yeah, don't touch my husband. We'll have. (laughs) She just got. There's a finger that went up. Just so you know, (laughs) she just came recently, so she'll thank you over Kevin. Um, Yeah, I want to go back to that one thing you said, Ned. I know we've got to wrap it up because this woman is so busy and so in demand. I mean, I think you're recording like three podcasts today, and we really appreciate you. True. I just want to talk with you all day. I just want to soak up all of it. I know we need a retreat. Oh my god. Jen, we need a retreat. We are going to be having okay. some midlife moxie retreats, so you're you're down. You're one of our biggest you're, fingers. Yeah. Okay. No, why are you making gonna, that face? Maybe? Oh, that was my excited face. Oh, that was excited. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she's excited. I want to go back and put a pin in something because I think it's super important. When Jen was talking, you, you were talking about communicating in a way that discusses who we are. Now that's not in a selfish, self-focused way. It's, it just means we're not finger pointing as the other person. Like, you know, we can explain to someone what our needs are rather than like for my husband, instead of saying, you don't whatever, pay me Mm -hmm. enough attention or you don't blah, blah, blah. Instead of speaking in that language, I can say to him, what I need is this. And mm-hmm. that changes that accusatory tone that makes it sound like he's inept into focusing on 
my need, my mm-hmm. hole, my deficit that needs to be filled. And then people mm-hmm. have a desire to rise up and fill that deficit for you if they're if they love yeah. you in their relationship with you. And so just that simple language, that simple understanding that, you know, this is my need. It's not necessary what he is or is not. Um and we always say don't make it about yourself but this is kind of the time you do need to make it about yourself mm-hmm. instead of making it everyone else's shortfall you make it about your need and that's mm-hmm. and as midlife women one thing I'm on a campaign about is us being able to I call it use your words articulate <laughs> say your needs to the universe claim what your Absolutely. needs are there's nothing weak about that. I think it's one of the most powerful things we can do and be is to be clear on what our needs are and be able to articulate them in a non-selfish, mature, matter-of-fact kind of way. And we surround Mm -hmm. ourselves with people where that is a fit. My needs, their needs, and what I'm able to give, what they're able to give, how we receive, you can easily kind of navigate the relationships that may not be the best for you to hold in intimacy. They may not be that super inner circle, yeah. But you don't, you don't feel that way with angst and anger. You're just like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I, that person's great. We're not the best fit to be best friends or married yeah. or all those things. But it becomes way Absolutely. less hostile. Is that? Am I getting that right? Is that your experience? I, absolutely, I love it, and I, I have just finished doing a course. And part of what I talk about in the course is a whole module about you getting clear about what you are bringing to the table. What are my needs? Because sometimes we don't even know. And then how do we express them? Because we walk around and like, with this false sense that everybody can figure it out. Like, well, they know what I need or like, I'm sure they'll figure it out or they think like me when they don't. And it's really unfair to other people to say we can, we're good at putting a label on what the true need is. We only see the surface and what we really want. Like if I'm saying, I need you to spend time with me, what I'm really wanting is a deep abiding connection. Absolutely. And I yeah. get that. And we have to figure out how to get there. And I love helping people figure it out because we think it's like sitting on a mountaintop and like, I mean, and there are parts of that where we have to get in tune with ourselves, but there are that questions to ask down. and there are processes that don't take that long, but we have to be willing to be curious about ourselves to get there. And when we get clear on what we need, and then we learn how to express that in a way that is kind and still holding responsibility for ourselves. Mm. Wow. Our relationships are transformed. Mm. So good. So good. It is really good. I think, I think it's challenging at least for a seven. I think it's challenging to understand what you really need, Mm -hmm. you know, because so much has been filled with, I, I push everything away. Mm-hmm. You know, um, pushing it away, pushing it away, only want to have fun. And a lot of people thought I was like a um, a fun and pleasure kind of person, but that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. It, I I use that as a mask totally. because well, I don't want to face the pain. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gail, I have to tell you, when you said, I see you, I I almost started to well up because it was like, you know, when somebody really understands it, and really understands you, it means 
so much because Mm -hmm. you've been misunderstood your entire life, you know, and for somebody to recognize, no, I see you and I understand what your motivation is. And I am sensitive to that. I mean, that's just And I'm not going to be offended by it because it's not personal. Mm -hmm. You know, I've found myself, Jen, also, do do you find yourself being the intercessor? Tell me more. Like I, like if I'm in a conversation, somebody says, well, Christina, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, but you don't understand where Christina is coming from. Here's what you don't mm. know about Christina. Not that yeah. this has happened, Christina. So I know in your sevenness, you're over there thinking, who have I, I'm just giving an example. I find myself <laughs> intervening oh for my me? friends and saying, mm-hmm. but this is what you don't know about her. And this is what's yeah. really going on. And as an eight, you know, we like to manage all the puppets um but that (laughs) really like that makes me feel super good not only to improve my relationships but i can take two people at odds and and tweak help them tweak that a little bit and have a little more Mm -hmm. you know buff off their edge a little bit and see each other yeah that just is so amazing (laughs) well because it feels like you're protecting people and helping mm-hmm. them. And I fixed yeah. it. You know, I need to fix yeah. everything. So mm-hmm. I'm going to fix this yep. problem. Yeah. Jen, oh my gosh, where does the time go? Every time we're with you, it seems like we start <laughs> talking and it, 10 minutes went it never by. Failed. Really well, well there's half. three chatty people here. So <laughs> there's a couple storytellers, some chattiness. So yes. that's, our, that's, that's our superpower is storytelling. Right. <laughs> a syllable. No, none of it's no. wasted. It is so, so good. It's so, so rich. And I mean, I, I know some personalities are like, well, I've had enough of this. I don't want any more self-development today. But the eights over here going, oh, I can just get better and better and better. And the seventh, like, I'm talking uh-huh. to my friends. We're having so much fun. So this is certainly a trio that could go on 24-7. But I just want you to know how much we appreciate your time because it is valuable. And y'all, people pay big money for this. So you might want to mm. listen to this podcast again. Um, you don't get Jen for free very often. We we tend to do it more than most people because we are beggars and moochers. <laughs> she comes in our clubhouse room. But Jen. Well, and she likes us. We have some things to offer people if they want to take a deeper dive, if they really want to, yeah. especially on that conflict resolution side. So I know you have a course coming up. Where can people find you, reach out to you, get other resources if they want to go hard in on this Enneagram? Absolutely. So the best place to find me is at jenwhitmer.com. So that's Jen with two N's. Um, I also am on Instagram and LinkedIn the most. So please send me a DM. I would love to hear if you listen to this podcast, what was your big aha? Just drop in my DMs, like heard you on Midlife Moxie. Here's what was like, oh my gosh, I hadn't thought about this before or whatever you took away from today. That would be amazing. And then I do have a course coming in November called How to Have a Hard Conversation. So it is an at your own pace course. I had especially over the last 18 months, I've had people just ask me over and over again, can you help us with the communication? I'm scared of the conference room table. I want to feel confident at the Thanksgiving table. I want to, you know, sit around coffee with my friend that I disagree with and maintain our relationship. And I don't, I want to be that confident communicator. Mm -hmm. And so that's where this course came from. So it is an at your own pace online course. So there's video lessons. But the thing that I love is I put in a bunch of 
worksheets and frameworks that you can use over and over and over again, because we all know that the hard conversation isn't one time. There's a new person that comes along or a new situation that comes with along. With all their own to, problems. With all their own stuff. And so we have to redo some of the basics. And so I've included a bunch of resources to help you repeat having those hard conversations where you feel confident and everybody comes out feeling whole. So you can find out more information about that if you send me a DM or go to jenwhitmer.com. Jen, that's J-E-N-N Whitmer, W-H-I-T-M-E-R.com. Jen, I'm just sitting here thinking as the fixer eight, who could use this lovely gift for Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) Here's you an Enneagram course so you can get yourself together. That's why I was laughing so hard. I'm like, yeah, the eights just want to give that to everyone so you can get it together. And if you're like, this is the first time you've ever heard of the Enneagram, this course is great. There is a little sliver of Enneagram and a lot of skills. It's a lot to help. I love that it's actionable. It's it's, It's so actionable. I I can't handle it if it's not. (laughs) Well, we're coming to the close of our program, and I want to remind everyone about our new partner, our sweet friends over at Boobalicious.com. So if boob sweat is a thing for you, what about you? Is it for you, Christina? Oh my gosh, all the time when I'm at the gym. So gross. (laughs) Something about menopause brings on boob sweat and sweat in other places. Well, she answered the call, and she created safe, natural, vegan skin hygiene products for those of us who are a little bit concerned about how we might swell and smell, swell, smell, and how we might feel with this boob sweat going on. So we have something special for our listeners. If you go to her website at www.love.com, Boobalicious products, and that's love, L-U-V, loveboobaliciousproducts.com, you're going to get a 10% discount with the code MOXIE, and you can keep the girls nice and fresh. Well, Christina and I also want to hear from you about the Enneagram in this episode, and again, we still want to apologize for the technical issues in our second episode. Um, We're probably going to apologize that in every episode from here to eternity, and you know, we're walking out this process. So be gentle with us. But we do want to hear about your Enneagram experience, if this information was helpful. So you can reach us at midlifemoxiepodcast at gmail.com. And if you want it to go to one of us in particular, you can just put that in the subject line for Gail or for Christina. We want you to find your Moxie, but we also want you to find your Enneagram and do the work (laughs) because it will help you find your best Midlife Moxie. So thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye. Go get your moxie on. (laughs) 